welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Now I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Good evening, everyone. Good afternoon. Good morning to wherever you are in the world. Um, let's adjust this light a little bit. Oh, yeah. Illumination makes me look angelic. I'm losing my tan, wife. Oh, I know, right? I'm, I need to get, like, Me too. in the sun more because I'm starting to look like Twilight again. Um, what's up, everybody? I'm going to just jump right into this so we can maximize our time because there's lots of stuff to talk about. And we all know that this show should really just be called uh, Short Question, Long Answer. Um, so I see everybody saying hello. Look at you guys. Look, I, I just Can we just take a quick moment and say how much I appreciate that people know one another in the chat and they see each other and they're excited to see each other. Uh, uh, remember when we used to go to school and we had friends and we knew people and we'd say hi to them and give them hugs. Now I'm going to have PTSD. I don't know how I'm going to react if someone like for the rest of my life, people will sneeze and they'll be like, I don't know why my grandfather does that every time someone sneezes. And it's like, kids, you don't understand. You didn't live during the time of the Rona. Um, so let's jump in for those of you that haven't. So first of all, let me just say Jake, uh, you can begin the podcast now. Um, and I'll run through my little preamble. My name is CJ Reynolds. I started this YouTube channel like, I don't know, four, almost five years ago, something like that. Four years ago, five years ago. Um, and the idea behind it has nothing to do with actual rapping, which is a misnomer, uh, which is an interesting <laughs> thing when you make a book and you, and you subtitle it, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching, when it has nothing to do with rap. So the idea, though, is more trying to help people be the teacher that they were called to be trying to help people be the teacher they always dreamed of being because we know damn well that you had this idea and then when you get into school it's not always the same thing right it's kind of like it's kind of like being married right you just thought it was going to be one way and then it can go another way and if you put work into it you win awesome yeah yeah um can we do a high five even though that's corny um and, or like, or anything else, I'm going to equate it to owning a dog. If you put the work in, you got a great dog and they behave and they don't eat the mailman. When you don't put work into it, your dog might try and eat the mail Our lady every day. the mail lady. No, yeah. I've actually, the last like three days I've made him sit with me and yeah. like not bark. I'm going to continue that this week as well. I love it. So it's, but it's the same thing, right? And so what we're doing is not trying to figure this out on our own. We're trying to figure it out as a community of educators, because as Seth Godin says, people like us do things like this. And what are things like this? They show up on Sunday afternoons, mornings, or evenings, wherever you are in the world, uh, to talk about teaching. Even in the time of the Rona, where this job has gotten infinitely more difficult for any number of us, um, but we're trying to figure out ways to thrive this year and not just survive this year. So if this, um, if, if this is your first time here, all you have to do is drop a question in the chat. For the first 30 minutes, that we're on here, we just take all the questions in order. If you could put a cue or question in front of your question, that'd be great. If you don't have to though, if you don't want to. Um, and then Edie reads it, she sends it to the Not So Secret Wife, that's on the computer, Not So Secret Wife reads it to me, and then I answer it. It's a whole team partnership. And then the dog just lays next to me and licks himself the whole time, which you may or may not be able to hear. Um, <laughs> if you need more than this, there's a Facebook group, the Real Rap with Reynolds uh, Teacher Talk on, on Facebook is a private Facebook group. Just go in, answer the three little questions, and you get in. Um, there's also a book, it's available on Amazon and all, all the major booksellers. Uh, it is, uh, 
my, what I wish existed, a book that I wish existed when I started teaching um, teacher class off. And then there's all kinds of other stuff. You can go to the website, you can get mentoring. You know, we, ch we try and do it all here. Just exhausting sometimes, but you know, that's that. Are you ready? I feel like this camera's adjusting. Yes, I'm ready. I don't You're like ready. when I like my shirt and you can't really see it. Like, look at this shirt. Raise your chair. It's so tough. Oh, then your hair will get cut, cut off. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a disproportionate gentleman sometimes. Okay, let's go. You got go. any questions for okay, me? Okay, Sophie is asking, students complain about the huge amount of WhatsApp groups existing and how these groups are used. Too many spam in group chats or hate groups created to talk about each other. How would you address this? What are WhatsApp's groups? WhatsApp is... Um, like a communication like app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, you use it for texting people and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Uh, gosh. You know, I think it, it probably has less to do with... I'm going to keep finicking with this like I'm a toddler. But um, I think it probably has less to do with teaching students um, how to handle themselves online or like... And more to do with like building kids' confidence and trusting them what they think about themselves more than what others think about them. And I will say that I admit that this is easier said than done. For those that don't know, um, after my book came out, there was like some massive hate that I received on on Twitter. Huge pushback, right? And the short of it was like. It was thought that, um, like, I, I just, all this, there was stuff that, like, people had a problem with my publisher. People had a problem with the fact that in my book, I have a quote that says that education, like, current schooling is created for vanilla children. And, but what happens if your student is Rocky Road or Mid Chocolate Chip? And that was perceived as school is for white kids. And what do you do if your kid is black or, I don't know, green, maybe, because Mid Chocolate Chip. Uh, so the, the problem with that is that if, like everyone just saw the quote, they didn't read the chapter and the chapter was based on my son who loves mint chocolate chip ice cream. That's where I got the idea from. So who is not a typical learner. No, 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 not in any <laughs> way, shape or form. Very mint chocolate chip versus vanilla. So mint, vanilla just meaning that school is for the average child. There's nothing wrong with vanilla ice cream. People love it all over the world. I just, you know, it's, you know, it is vanilla. what it is. Um, but school has been created for one type of kid. But what happens if kids have learning differences, right? So anyway, this thing blows up. It like creates all this traction on Twitter and I get my ass handed to me. And it really hurt my feelings. Like, like I, I'll say like that. Like I was, it hurt my feelings because well, all I'm trying to do with YouTube, with school, with writing, all the effort that goes into writing books and creating videos and all this stuff is to just put something good out into the world um, amidst all of the, the, you know, the, the Instagram posts and all the stuff that is like, is that, that are tearing teachers down that have teachers leaving the classroom. And so um, that, that was my thing. Uh, I'm getting away from my point though. This was a really good way for me to talk to students about like, I had to reassess like, well, what does it look like for me to believe in myself? What does it look like for me to have a message and a motive that I feel is mine to share, that I feel compelled to, to share with other people, no matter what anyone says. Because that, that moment had me really wondering whether I wanted to go on, whether I wanted to keep doing this. And so it's about, it became this, this opportunity for me to really dig deep, 
to connect with the right people, to hear messages from the right people, to learn what I should be hearing and what I shouldn't be hearing, uh, or not what I should or shouldn't be hearing, but like what I believe and, and don't believe. And that I think is what we should be communicating with our young people. Keep this in mind. Very few young people, especially after the age of, I'd say, eight, nine, ten, when kids are having their own thoughts and feelings, when they start to divert from like what their parents just believe or think or feel, that is a lonely time in your life. You're trying to figure out who you are, but you have less attention a lot of times from parents, um, from teachers. They don't have the time and energy and space to really like hone in on you and help you to be the best version of yourself. So just showing up for kids and telling them that you think they're great, telling you you think they have something to offer, telling them that no matter what, like what, what's that? Like what's that said, what? Like some fifth graders like called you like a poopy face, like, or said that your nose is big. Like, like, yeah, but do they know this about you? Like, let me tell you what I really, let me tell you something from someone that's been through some stuff, what I see in you, right? Like check this out. And then what that does is I think it, it tips the balances and doesn't have kids like looking at that stuff. I know that stuff exists online about me somewhere on Reddit or some other like evil platform um, like that, that people are talking shit. But like it's who is the voice that I choose to hear and what's the voice. So there's both those voices are going in my head that I'm doing great stuff and what I need to be doing. And that I'm like not really that good and that one day people are going to figure me out and there's a whole imposter syndrome. It's which voice am I choosing to pay attention to? And I think that's what I would be doing is focusing on that with young people. Damn, that was a long answer. Yes. Um, I'll try and keep the next one shorter. Okay. I don't think this is any... <laughs> this is not going to be a shorter one. I already see that name and I already know oh. the kind of questions my girl asks. So go All ahead. All right. My buddy. Uh, Diary of a Mad Black Teacher is asking, how do you teach with in integrity in a system that has none? In, that was in capital letters. As because she's, she's the queen of capital letters, man. Um, I've met I've met her. We've eaten. She's fantastic. Cheesecake together, something like that. Um, <laughs> the so my friend, I think you do it anyway, right? Like uh, like we we teach in the midst of a broken system. The school system is broken. It doesn't mean we should just get rid of it because I don't think anybody has something that's going to that's going to has something that that good that's going to replace it. Because what we're trying to think of in general is an overall system that is going to educate all children. And it's just never going to happen. There are no one size fits all anything in the world. Right. So like. There's no one-size-fits-all workout program. There's no one-size-fits-all makeout program. There's no one-size-fits-all relationship program, education program. Like, everyone's so different. And the fact that we try to homogenize what education should look like and say, like, we've got, well, you know, have I got a deal for you? And it's like, no, you, do, bro, you have no deal for me. Like, th this is a broken system. So what do you do with that? You remember why you got into this anyway. I, I got I got into education to teach English, partially. But really, it was a backdoor way for me to gain access to help students, to help young people on a, on a level at which I would not have the ability to otherwise, right? It is me teaching English, teaching literature, but really, what am I teaching through literature? 
right? It's like when I teach my hip hop class, my history of hip hop class, it's not just teaching hip hop, but it's all these other elements that I get to teach through that, right? And that I think is far more important. So whenever I'm doing anything, like the, I, what I have to remind myself is this, the school system is constantly kind of like every year it gets, feels like it gets a little bit worse, right? I feel like a lot of people probably know what I'm saying when I say that. Um, I just expect it. It just becomes kind of laughable at this point where it's just like, oh, we have to do that this year? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm not doing that. There's zero chance. And I realize that I have maybe a little bit more leeway than others do, or I've been doing this longer so it's easier for me to say no to a lot of things, but I just say no to basically everything and um, because I, because when I started teaching, I said yes to everything. So instead, I focus on students, and I focus on what is what do I feel like is my actual mission in school, and that is to help kids explore and express who they are and what they're going through, and then use literature as a vehicle to help them grow and become the person that they dream of becoming or the person they're supposed to become. That's my mission. If what you're doing as a school doesn't fit my mission, I don't do it. So if you're going on a class trip that doesn't play into like what I think, if everyone else is going out for drinks, but I know it's just like a complaint session, I just, I just don't get down. I make my own, right? Like, um, and not everything has to be official, right? So I'll say this. Um, so I think, and that, I mean, I could go on and on and on about that and how we do that, but I'd say also, it doesn't stop at school, right? Like there are things that happen outside of school where I'm still connected. Like I have a kid that I have to text today. I have another student I have to call today that I know we're going through some stuff. Um, but that's part of my mission. So it's, that's, that's what I do. So that's, that's what I'm thinking. It's, it, it is, yes, the system's broken, but it like, um, but do I, am I going to let it break me? Nope. Not a chance. All right, the next one is coming from uh, Dela Classroom is asking, a kid A kid said that college is a scam. I didn't know what to say. What are your expectations for a kid and the idea of college? Man, getting into the good stuff. I love this question too. Because look, we, um, we try and send every kid to school, right? We want everyone to go to college. But we don't bother asking, is that what you want to do? Like, do you have, um, do you have a vision for what your life looks like. So, uh, what do you want? What do you want in your life? And part of that is we put too much on 16 year old, 17 year old, 18 year old kids that don't know what they want. Mom and dad know what they want. Mom, grandma and grandpa know what they want. The school knows what they want. want. The colleges know what they want. The country knows what it wants. But we don't ask kids, what do you wanna do? And if that includes, like, right, so look, let, let me check you real quick, because I got out of high school, I had no idea what to do. All my friends, like most of my friends that were worth anything were going to college. So I figured I should go to college. But then I didn't go to college that first year. Um, and that's a whole nother story. I worked at a gas station instead. I worked at a gas station in New Jersey, and I pumped gas. And it was one of the most fun jobs I ever had in my life, because I just made it fun, right? I just that's because that's what you do. That's what I do. Um, but it got, I got real used to making a couple bucks. It, like it was, This was like 1995. I think I was making $8 an hour, which was like friggin' bonkers, right? It was like everybody else was making five and a quarter. I was making like $8 an hour pumping gas, making tips, because I was a good gas station attendant. Um, and that, you get used to that. So what I warn kids is, 
Look, college or no college, you need to figure out what you want to do. What are you on this planet to do, bro? And when you do that, when you figure that out, then it makes, it makes, do I need to go to college to be like, if I want to be a nurse, I can't just start nursing people. You will get arrested and end up in jail. I want to be, it's like, I want to be a dentist. Don't just start doing dentistry out of your mom, back your mom's old minivan. Cause guess what? It doesn't work. So, um, college is a necessary pathway for some students, but if you want to be, I tell kids that like have like really or have a deep interest in automobiles or in building things. Do not waste. I, because, and this is my own preference and, and this, cause I grew up doing construction. Do not waste your money going to a school that you have to pay 40 grand and they're going to teach you how to fix a car. Just go to a garage and ask for a job and start doing oil changes and changing air filters and changing brakes. And then that's going to build into something where you start doing that. Buy an old car and fix it watching YouTube because it's free. And that's going to be better than you doing that anyway. So the, the point is I tell kids like, look, I don't care. Like whatever you're doing after high school, just don't sit around right? Don't become couch guy from half baked. And you're just smoking weed all day and sitting on the couch. Like go move to India, go like you can wash dishes at a, at a restaurant in New Jersey, or you could wash dishes in India or Tibet or South Africa, like go somewhere else and do that. See and experience things and get busy. Oh gosh, I'm going to quote friggin' Shawshank Redemption, get busy living or get busy dying. Right? Um, that was not planned, but it's like, it's, is college a scam? For I don't know. Maybe for some things, right? Like if you go to college to get a degree in philosophy, I don't really know what you're going to do with that. But then you got a pretty hefty, like I went to school for English and I got out and I was like, what do I, I don't, I don't want to do with this. Does it fit in to the plan that you have for yourself and not for the plan that other people have for you? That's it. What you got? Uh, Janelle is asking, how do you cope with missing your students from last year, especially because the school year was cut short? I miss my kids so much. Dude, I, so I do too. Um, one of the things I've been planning on doing, I haven't done it yet is since we're hundred percent virtual is talking to the 10th. So I teach ninth grade talking to 10th grade teachers and seeing if there's like a 10 minute window at the end of class that I could like jump in your zoom and then like talk to kids. Um, because I think our students really need us as well. I, I saw a kid who's a senior this year, um, call him Babyface, And, uh, cause he has like this little mustache and one time he, he shaved it off and he looked like a baby. And so we just call him Babyface <laughs> for the last five years. And, um, baby is finally a senior this year. I, act, I had end up happening to see him on Facebook and I don't do Facebook or Instagram friends with current students usually, but I've known this kid for a long time. So, and I know his mom. And so it was a safe bet. So like I just hit him up one night and I was like, yo baby face. And he was like, uh, so we went back and forth. And I was like, how's your year going? And he was kind of lamenting a little bit and talking about it, but it came, it became a really good conversation because it was like, you know, we forget that like the students like really need us too, right? And we need them. Um, when I'm having a hard day to have somebody just come in and like, like show some love, show some respect, help me out with something. Like 
that's there. When I'm sitting in my laundry room, it doesn't exist anymore. So it's, that's really tough. Um, so it's, it's trying to connect with those kids anyway. Um, we are currently figuring out, uh, my old friend Cho and I, which I like that we're still doing stuff together, even though she's going to Harvard and living in California. And doesn't even work at BL. Doesn't even work at my school anymore. Um, we are setting up a monthly call for students that graduated last year that are having a really hard time transitioning into college right now. Because if, and something I'd never thought about until we talked yesterday was these guys are going to school. So I teach all boys. So I, I'm always gender exclusive and it is just my default. I apologize. Um, so our boys are going to school and there aren't any like social gatherings anywhere. It's like you go to your dorm room, you do your work, you play video games, you go to class with a mask on and then you leave. There's no like hangout after the class sitting in the quad. There's no like meetups or, or football games or any of that stuff. So for my boys that a lot of them are, they, I mean, they come from all black neighborhoods. A lot of them are going to these all white schools where they're not even sure how to navigate being a part of a white community and then don't have options to do it and are feeling several months in like left out of, of stuff or not sure how to, how to, you know, how to move forward in a positive way. We're trying to figure out like a monthly meetup. So I think that could be cool too. Like that's a good way to do it. Another thing that we're talking about doing. So one, one of my um, coworkers does Monday night football where he puts, I don't know how he figures it out to get on zoom. He puts his Monday night football game up there and then we watch Monday night football ball together uh, with the students and the students' parents know it's like a thing that the school does. We're also going to start doing movie nights where we are renting movies. And then I don't know how we do this legally either. So got to figure that out, but like, renting a movie and telling the kids like, yo, look, Friday night, check it like eight o'clock. We're all going to watch this movie and Mr. Oliver's running it and like Reynolds would be there and all these other teachers. And then you just watch a movie together, right? So it's like, you're not, you can't be together in a physical space, but how can we turn virtual moments into not just meetups, not just classes, not just something formulaic, but like, oh, we're just hanging, we're just chilling. We're just watching a movie and like making jokes and, and whatever. So that's, that's how I think you can do it. Danny. Yep. All right. Danny is asking any tips on how to help our students slash classes feel truly interactive when we're using a system that doesn't support all the kids using their cameras at once. Literally, I talk to myself every day. I'll tell you how I got to not talk to myself the other day. This is so dumb. So maybe you want to do it and maybe you don't. It was Zoom finally put, and I don't know if I just figured this out or if it was just invented. Zoom now has filters and they're terrible. I mean, they're the dumbest filters, right? So if anyone knows anyone at zoom, please let them know that like, you got to get your filter game together. Um, but the one that I liked was I could put a TV around my face. But what I did before that was there was a filter that just puts a rainbow over your eyes, right? Like not an Archie rainbow. It looks like just like a rainbow blur over your eyes. So I just put it on there and I start teaching the class. And eventually someone goes, Yo, Ren, yo, why do you have a, why do you have a rainbow on your eyes? Bro, what, I don't know what you're talking about, but first of all, please don't disrupt me. I'm in the middle of trying to educate the young people here. Um, and second, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have a rainbow on my eyes. No, Ren, no, you deaf do have a, a rainbow on your eyes. No, guys, listen, there's no rainbow in my eyes. I need you to focus. We're getting ready to read, all right? Yo, check it. Yo, somebody, look at Reynolds. Doesn't he have a rainbow on his eyes? 
And so then it becomes this thing where I tell them like, I don't really understand the technology. Then I switch it to like these corny sunglasses that they have. And like, now you have sunglasses. Guys, look, I don't know if I'm hitting something or if someone's hacking this, but like I'm trying to teach class. It was so dumb. I let it go on for like 10 minutes. And then um, we just start playing with the filters. Then I was giving imaginary extra credit, which is something I do all the time, which is extra credit goes to absolutely nothing. Um, for kids that would read their journal entry, but as a bear. If I have anybody that reads their journal entry, but as a bear, I don't want to just hear your journal entry. If you read as a bear, I'll give you imaginary extra credit. And so then kids are putting on like the bear nose comes on and the little ears and it was hilarious. And then they start reading like they, I guess how they think a bear would sound, but it was just doing something worth watching. Um, and if you, and what I do is I don't look at all the screens, right? Because what I'm realizing is, um, and, and I'm sure some of you guys have, have noted this. Some students' houses don't look like something that they want to share. Some students' families don't look like something they want to share. Some kids' families are saying and doing things in the background that are very loud, very distracting, and sometimes like bordering on questionable activity, right? And so kids get nervous to unmute, to turn on the camera. Now, look, some kids are getting away with stuff. Some kids are watching Dragon Ball Z and playing Fortnite all day, right? And that's just going to end up biting them in the ass and that's that's on them. But for the other students, it's worth giving them the benefit of the doubt and then trying to think of like, I've been trying to think of like next week, maybe I start class from the backyard. Maybe I start it from down the street. Maybe I start it from a car. Maybe I start it like doing something that I can just do, be somewhere that's not here, the same thing every day so that when you log on, at least it becomes, yo, I got to get the class on time because I know Reynolds is going to do something dumb or ridiculous or silly. just like a different background filter? Like you can prepare by getting a different one yeah. from online. It's so like something out of pocket. So it's like, where is so-and-so going to be? I started taking today? kids' student ID pictures from the school website and putting them as my background. And I'm just like, oh. And then I would pretend I was talking to them the other day. Hey, really and it was funny. so dumb. And they were like, Reynolds, I'm not there. I'm like, bro, I don't see you on your camera. Because you know why? You're in my laundry room with me and we're going to have lunch together today. So just, I think dumb wins a lot of times. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Shay Shay is saying, is asking, how do you combat the Sunday blues? I feel like I work Sunday to Friday and I don't really have time for myself. When Saturday comes, I am super tired and I have a lot of tests to complete. Okay. So this is a really wonderful question. Um, and I, let me, let me see how I compare this down because I've been, this is something that I'm really trying to force myself to abide to. I, school can take up so much. I mean, I have been working 10 and 12 hour days, sometimes more than that, to just catch up, to just get something planned, even if it's a skeleton plan, and then do like, have my grades done by the end of the week. So I'm like, at least caught up on grades and then have some idea of what I'm planning. But then there's the thousand emails, the thousand messages, the calls and the emails and the texts from students that don't understand what to go or what to do or what the assignment was. There's, um, there's all this other stuff. Plus, to be honest, my ass hurts. I sit in this chair all day. I thought I bought a pretty good computer chair. I bought a good chair for my side business, but now I'm like, damn, like it's like the bones. I'm like, I, I, my, I'm not. You need to get your. Uh, I don't have a fat enough cushion. bottom. That's what I have. I'm a skinny ass dude. It's like a stick Shit, figure. I be sitting there. It's like a stick figure sitting on a chair. It's just like it's just not working for me. So, um, that so that is part of my problem. So what I've been doing is my school day is technically from eight to four, right? Um, 
I don't teach two days a week until, uh, so we have 80 minute classes. So like till like 10, 20 is my first class on Mondays and Thursdays, right? To just give you an idea. Um, and then I'm done by two every day because all my classes are packed together. So I just teach, 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 teach for feels like endless amounts of time during every day, but I get to start a little bit later and, and end a little bit earlier. So what I'm doing is I get up earlier, I get myself ready. And I talk about this in the book and I have tons of videos on my morning routine. <clears throat> so I'm bother going into that whole thing there, but there's a prep time. Then I go to school and I am now I am prepping on Mondays in that 80 minutes that I have. So that's my prep period, right? So I don't prep on the weekends right now. That's it. That's all I get. My lunchtime, I get situated and organized and get things taken care of, make sure my attendance is in, make sure any grades that I can do are in and stuff like that. And then I take about 20 minutes, 22 minutes. I watch Gravity Falls with my kids. Um, and that's like my off time. So I'm not thinking about school. I'm spending time with my family and I'm just eating my lunch. Then from two to four every day, I get done what I can get done. And that's it. I do not do any more work. And this is why. Because I think that the current model of what's happening right now is putting so much on teachers that it's literally endless work. It is never done and never could be done. It is like taking a cup of water and trying to empty out the ocean. And you're like, nah, I think I'm getting somewhere. And you're like, it's really, I feel like this got a little bit lower. And it's like, nah, bro, it's just low tide. And this shit comes back in after the moon changes. Like it's, it's a wrap. So it's, it is then literally forcing myself to do something different. So the thing that I'm doing that's different is, and some days I have more success than others. It's, I have to change my state after school, right? Um, and that is running, taking a bicycle ride with or without my kids, working on the garden, doing something that's gonna take me out of my physical space, put me somewhere else so I can shift my mindset, and then building in things in the night that are going to build me up. I just think that me, being on 10, or even if we go full spinal tap and say 11, with an average lesson plan is better than an amazing lesson plan with all my stuff done and I'm at five. I just think that it works better than that. Um, there are some times when you have, to, you have to sprint, you have to put in the extra hours, the extra work, but let that be occasional and not consistent. When we make it consistent, all we're doing is burning ourselves out and I know the trap of, yeah, but I, I'm almost there. I'm almost done. I'm, I'm going to get there. It's like, bro, you need to take a rest and fill the tank up so that you can do better. And I will say that that's easier said than done. But for me, it's been building in actual activities that I'm doing, whether that's like Sunday, Saturdays are cheat day for us at, at our house. So like my wife and I eat anything we want and that is glorious and fun and ridiculous. I had Burger King yesterday. I'm a grown man. We don't cook King. usually because no. I cook all week. What do we eat? Burger King? Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts for breakfast uh, <laughs> just with donuts. just donuts. <laughs> um, uh, Reese Puffs, ice cream sandwiches, cookie literally make ourselves sick day yeah. by the end of the night no. so we're like good no, we just turn in the shaggy and scooby all of a sudden that's exactly <laughs> what happens i love um, saturday but that's great and then it was like building in like we went shopping yesterday because we had, we're going to new mexico to a wedding and we had to go make sure we got some stuff or like 
taking a bike ride with Brody or playing some video games, but it's like on this, like after this, it's watching the Eagles game and like building that in really helps. I will say as a, as a person who looks outside and I struggle with this as well. And as our plates have gotten fuller with adding just regular life, right? With kids. And then we've added a business and other, all these other initiatives that we do. Um, our life has gotten really, really busy. And I've looked at you because I struggle with this as well. And it's, you are so intentional about like, okay, I'm doing this till this time. And sometimes if you need to finish something, like obviously yeah. you can finish something up that you're working on or things like that. But you literally, it's impressive how you shift yourself. For me, it's so hard mentally to get out of that, like what's still happening, yeah. even though I stopped the work, but to like whole bodily, like mind and body, yeah. like you shift into something else. And I think that that's the hardest, like, break. I appreciate it's, it's that. It's mental. The, well, look, even the text chain that I'm on, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I change it so it hides alerts. I mm -hmm. don't see all those texts. So the texts still keep coming about the kids and the work and the thing, and I can't figure this out. I just don't get them anymore because I shift gears. Yeah. I could keep speaking that forever, so go ahead. Okay. Um, Ellen is asking, what is your best advice towards aspiring teachers right now when it is so difficult to get into the classroom this year in light of all the distance learning? Um, oh, that's a really good question because typically my idea is to go into classrooms. Um, I, you know, I think it's still about fine. Look, the game, I mean, we all had an idea of what we wanted to be as teachers, right? Like everyone has a dream. They have a, like, they know what their classroom, they want their classroom to look like. Maybe they would know what they want their outfit to look like. And they know what their, want their decorations to look like. And they know what their interactions with students want, they want to look like. Um, but I think big picture the job was always about young people. The job was always about being there for kids and helping them grow into to something more amazing, more than it was about us. We, we, we just get to like, like live off of the, the beauty of that, the, the connection piece of that. We get like, it's like the overflow is what it is. Is so I get to help you care for you, love you, help you be grow into something else. And then I just get like the, uh, the, the overflow of that, that commitment. Teaching online is no different. It's just harder because we haven't done it before. And so, and because there's all these asks of us, I think that if we stay student centered, we can stay on path, on target, and, and we get done what we need to get done. So even as an aspiring educator, right now, we just are going to where kids are anyway, right? So just connect with kids online. See if you can, you know, in the same way that I used to say, like, see if you can go to school, see if you can observe, see if you can tutor, see if you can be a part of an after school program or, or a tutoring service or something like that. Um, still do those things. They just exist online now. Because I think that like more than ever, young people really need to connect with folks. But it is now connecting with folks is just different. So it's maybe getting permission, like going to a school and saying, um, like, hey, who are two to three of four kids that are really struggling this year because look, we have a lot of kids that can't, it, there's too much stuff on too many sites and there's too many things and it's like, ah, they just can't organize it in their head. Give me three kids that I can help you organize. I can help them know what their assignments are, to check in with their teachers, to learn how to self-advocate, to learn how to like, okay, here's the assignment, you're doing this, this, and this, do you understand that? And then getting them started and then letting them go. Something along those lines, I would just look for spaces to think about what are you good at? Are you good at organizing? Because not everybody is. Are you good at 
physical organizing or digital organizing, which are two completely different things? Are you good at motivating kids, inspiring kids, being patient with kids? Like, what are your strengths? And then communicate with your college or with schools to see where you can tie in. And I'll tell you what, I think the Facebook group is a good place to do that too. Like, um, go to if you go to our Facebook group, if you're not a part of it, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk on Facebook is a closed group that is just educators and saying, hey, I'm, I'm, one of, I'm getting to closer and closer to teaching. Um, how can I connect with students? Does anyone have any opportunities or know of anything? And I guarantee you get answers in there for that. What you got, buddy? Okay. Uh, Summer Hayward is asking, my area doubts the legitimacy of the current pandemic, but they also now seem to doubt the legitimacy of education. I've never struggled so much to get my students engaged. We're in person. All right, so yeah, the, I mean, that whole idea of like folks that just don't take the pandemic seriously, um, I, I mean, I don't even, that, that's just like a, all right, like, okay, like, you know, I, you can't sway them. <laughs> no, that's like trying to commit, that's like trying to convince like flat earth people that like the earth is actually round. And so, um, and look, that's neither here nor there. It's like, you don't believe in it. All right, like, I don't know what to, to say to that, but yeah, I think teaching has become this thing now that, um, it just seems like it's not worth it. It just seems like it's not worth doing. It's not worth being there. It's not worth, you know, and, and I hear that a lot, or can we have computers or computer programs teach children instead of us? Like, do we need to be there because they can just learn everything on ABC Mouse or something like that, or Study Island or some other program, right? Uh, I just think they're wrong. They're, 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 they're well, beyond wrong. Well, those are the wrong. vanilla people, right? Vanilla kids, the people who learn in that way. There are some people they who learn could, that way. Because they'll figure it out. Yeah. But what we're doing is looking at the kids that need it, the kids that oh, need something explained to them in a different way that need you to see how they're interpreting something and going, uh, I can tell that you, you're going, and I go, did you get that? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I got that. And it's like, no, I can tell I'm seeing it in your eyes that you didn't get it. Um, I think that that comes from you summer. And I think it comes from you. And I would say, you know, I, I'm just such a big believer in community just to hell with what your whole school is doing. Like you can, you might not be able to change your whole school, especially if you teach in like a really large district where there's like thousands of people or thousands of teachers or like that is, that's a, it's hard to turn. Um, if you're on a cruise ship, right? There's a reason the Titanic hit the iceberg, man. It's friggin' hard to steer that thing out of the way. Cause it's so massive and it's moving and it's like, this is what we do. But if you're in a speedboat, you're like, whoa, Titanic. Like, look out. Like, uh, we almost hit that iceberg. That was close. Um, it's easier to do. So find a speedboat full of people that you can make, commit to and, and, and try and do something with. And then meet the students where they are. Meaning like, like I think it's, all right, guys, look. I, and I spend a lot of time on this in class. I realize that this is not optimal. I realize that this sucks. Like, it sucks for a lot of you. What's the thing that sucks the most? And then actually listening to those complaints that students have is what actually builds trust. It builds um, community. It builds like a team-like aspect where like we're getting through this together because I told you it sucks when, um, like I really am thinking about this kind of stuff. Like if 
uh, I don't get to see my friends. All right, well, word. Um, why don't you show up five minutes early tomorrow or why don't you stay after school or why don't we do this thing? Like figure out ways to connect students to students, whether that's playing a video game with them. Like, it, like, look, your, your level of access is going to be different at every school, but like maybe you're playing among us. Maybe you're playing Fortnite. Maybe you are doing Monday night football. Maybe you're doing something where you're showing kids that you care. And I think care creates buy-in all the time. Care creates kids that show up and it's because they trust you already because you went to that place that no one else would go with with them and then now you're asking them to diagram a sentence and they're like yeah but for you this is what this is. I'll, I'll diagram sentences all day because you're my homie and um and i don't mean friendship but i just mean someone that is uh that is caring uh, don't look at that right now. As I don't want to say. Uh, i just got an email about a paper that i wrote for a course that i'm in um and the feedback just came back so uh, I just think that that is how I would do it. There's no, I don't know that when we have issues like that, some issues in school, and this is hard, right? And I, I just talked to this a little bit ago. They are, there's no big answer. There's no policy change that's going to change the hearts and minds of students. I think it's done more like guerrilla warfare. You're going in and changing one person at a time and then over time, if you can sway the majority, it, it you get a bigger effect. And so that's what I would do. All right. We're going to kind of group these questions together because they're both in the same uh, cool. topic. So can Jacob is asking what? Oh, I was going to just say, like, can we say both people's names so that they know? Yes. Cool. Got Jacob it. is asking, I am in an internship program at my college. Excelling in the program led to um, limited license and teaching early. And I'm facing burnout. How can I find motivation for my for my college while teaching? I know the logical consequences of burning out is losing my license and not teaching anymore after this year, but I can't find the motivation to keep up the pace. That's one. Uh, Kim is also asking, first year seventh grade science teacher going through the MAT program at 49. I'm overwhelmed with all the extras, lessons, plans, uh, virtual, but I mentally and physically cannot do it all so basically kind of like around the same theme yes of burnout i'm gonna tell you how i've been thinking i'm gonna have i'm gonna here's a weird connection i'm gonna make right i really like this answer i really like this question because i'm really dealing with this myself i've noticed that in my life that i can go and go and go and go or when i'm heartbroken or depressed so like i really am thinking a lot about the fact that and we haven't even talked about this this is something new i want to talk oh, about i love when you about. pop these on i'm gonna just throw this <laughs> on you um i think i have a level of ptsd in my life and i always thought ptsd I when i that. ever think of that i think of soldiers um but i have seen a lot of death in my life and i've seen a lot of awful things and i've lived through a lot of awful things and when i do that so i had last week um another former student of mine was shot and killed in philadelphia um and when I found out that it went down and how it went down, um, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but I know he was shot in an alleyway and I know that he, he was, he bled out in the alleyway and died alone in an alleyway. And so it didn't really hit me for two days. Like I knew it happened, but I immediately go into, what are we doing for students? Who were his friends? Um, let's connect with all these people. Let's make sure that everyone's taken care of. But then when that kind of wears off, I got so depressed last weekend. And it really hit me, right? And, and I think part of the reason it really affects me is because I've just seen so much death in my personal life and in my professional life um, and so much heartbreak that it is, it's, 
I don't know. It's just something there that, that I need to explore and, and figure out. Um, that being said, whenever I go through anything in my life that feels like it's completely overwhelming, like, dude, I'm going to just evaporate. Like, and my body's not going to be able to take it anymore. There is always a the flip side to that when I'm trying to work so hard to get through so much stuff, to care so much, to connect with everybody, to fix everything. The class that I'm teaching is the friggin' worst and everyone sucks and no one wants to do anything I want to do, even if it's the greatest idea and even if I base it on everything that you like and all that stuff, right? When, when it gets too much, it's so crazy. I usually have this snapping point, but the snapping point is never usually, uh, it's always different than what I thought it was going to be. It's usually kind of like this. What if I just didn't care so much anymore? What if I just didn't try to keep up? What if I just was like, no, I'm not doing all of the things. And that's where I feel like I'm really getting to now. We need your jacket, babe. Yeah, I got you. Sorry. Cold. Um, it is. And so it, when I think about this, I think about two things. One, I just heard this morning was reiterated. I'd heard this before, but um, so I'm going to go a little church on you for a minute. Doesn't matter if you love Jesus or not, but it, this <laughs> is, you can still go at this point. Jesus basically changed the world in three years, right? So like the beginning of his ministry to the time that he was crucified changed the world in three years. Jesus never ran anywhere. This is what my pastor says this morning. Jesus never ran anywhere. And he goes, and if you look at the Bible, that dude took a lot of naps. And I just thought, like, and then I just had to, like, pause it for a second and be like, yo, wait. Yo, my man, like, ne like they walked everywhere. They walked everywhere. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't, hustle. Even, they didn't even take, like, you know, transportation. Like, no, to make it, they my walked. man walked everywhere. And then he was always taking naps. Like, right. when they were in the, in the boat paddling across wherever the hell they were, and um and the storms going on, they were like Jesus is taking his chilling, taking a nap in the boat, like like no worries. So that whether or not you that Jesus is your jam or not, it's just interesting to me that some like changed the world and took naps and walked everywhere. And I think of three of my favorite movies of all time. One's a little bit questionable now after the Me Too thing, but like um. American Beauty, right, with Kevin Spacey, if you've not watched it, is one of my favorite movies of all time. And like I said, he got pulled into that Me Too, into the movement, but then was acquitted. But still, it's kind of like if, if you hear someone was like a pedophile and then they get acquitted of the charges, like, ah, I still don't want my kid hanging on that block. Like, um, So one of my favorite movies of all time, and that's because he has this snap break moment in it where he just gives less shits, but his life's better for it, right? Like, because he can handle things in a way that he's not trying to keep up He's making his own rules. He's still doing stuff. It's not that you're not doing stuff anymore. It's not that you don't care anymore. It's just that you are realigning your focus to only care about the things that are actually important. And then you get a little bit more clarity on what those things are. And then you just do those. Um, another favorite 90s movies of mine, of mine is Fight Club. Same thing, right? It's like you hit this wall and that stops you from running on the, on the, on the hamster wheel so much. Um, and the other one that I was thinking of is Office Space, another one of my favorite movies of all time. The scene in Office Space, if you've never watched any of these movies, you need to do it this week. This should, this should be the rest of your day. <laughs> Watch Office Space, and when my man walks into the office with flip-flops on and a, and a Hawaiian shirt, it is one of the greatest scenes I've ever seen in a movie, because it just shows like, and look, that movie, he just didn't give any shits anymore and didn't really do work, but I think it's when I can go to school 
and it's complete, feels like anarchy. It is, I'm right now, I don't have any admin at my school, right? Like right now, there have people have quit left and right since last year. I can get all worked up. I can try and fill all the gaps. I can try and like do all the stuff that I'm doing. Or you know what I'm going to do after this? I know I have to plan for the week. I'm going to go have, because even though my cheat day was yesterday, I allow myself, I'm allowed to have two beers. This is my personal commitment to myself uh, during football. So I'm going to have two beers. I'm going to order some wings or something with my boy. I'm going to watch it. Probably go with a, on a uh, ride after that. And I'm real into cleaning my car right now because I found a YouTube channel talking to me how to clean my car. It's the greatest thing ever. And this is literally all. So I've been watching, watching these videos like every video. on like how to like make your headlights look better. And it's like, I'm going to go do that. So when you feel like you're burning out, what would it look? You know, you're not going to fail. You know, you're not going to lose your job because you care because you want to win. But what would this look like instead of driving myself crazy? If I was just like, yeah, I'm going to think of lesson plans, but I'm just going to do it in a different way. Like, or, or giving, so I think there's two other practical steps, right? And then I'm going to move on to the next question. I realize I'm going on long for this. One is purging. You are spending time on something perhaps, right? I know that I do this, that is not worth your time, effort, or energy. And it's really looking at your day in, with a critical lens and figuring out, Am I really on Facebook too much, Instagram too much, watching TV, talking to a friend, someone comes in my dorm room and they're chatting me up and I'm just like, bro, swear to God, I got to get work done or trying to kick it to someone cause you like them. And it's like, they'll still be there, but like, I can't do that and do this. So it's getting super hyper-focused on what's actually important because what you're doing is letting those distractions sometimes take over your time. The next thing is chunking time. So I give myself from two to four every day to make sure the lesson planning for the next day is done and the grading is done. That makes me hustle. I can't pet my dog even though he wants me to. My kids have a question and I can't answer it because they know, look, after four, I'm 100% yours and we're going to do everything that you want to do and we're going to, it's family time, right? Um, but between two and four, I close my new door that I got to my laundry room. I put jams on the speaker. I grab something to drink, super hyper-focused for two, to, for two hours. That's two hours of not looking at Instagram, of not going, hey, I wonder if those vans are still available on Amazon. Hey, I really want to get a new watch. I wonder if that watch is available here. That's where my head goes and I got to go, nope, can't do it. Snap out of it and I get back to work. And that helps me get a lot more done But as that well. is, it is, that is the theme. It's intentionality in everything. Always. about. That's what and I've discipline. noticed. It's intentionality, purging. discipline, you know. Facebook is a distraction. It want, But it wants to be. Yeah. It wants to suck your time away. Mm -hmm. And even when I'm doing business on Facebook, and it's like, I just have to still check myself with that stuff. Yeah. Cool. Um, what you got? Okay, so we're going to jump around. Which uh, I'll try and be faster for some of these because I realize I'm, I just want to get through more. I don't think this is going to be All right, It's probably never going to. I always say that. In the Cole meeting. Hatchard is asking, how do you recommend dealing with other teachers who tend to try to co-teach while you are teaching? I'm feeling undermined by another teacher who is in the room while I teach. In parentheses, it says a class that I'm new to. And the teacher likes to jump in and semi-teach a topic while I'm trying to. Yeah, I hate this. And this happens That's to me cool. with a lot of co-teachers that I've had. Um, it's, I think the best way to do is give them a part to teach, right? All right. So here's, what's going to happen when we come in. Um, I would do like, give somebody the, f like, I'm going to do the first five minutes. 
get us situated for the day, then you're going to do vocab, right? Like you're in charge of the next. Wait, can I interrupt? Oh, sure. What if they're not your actual co-teacher? What if they're like sitting in the classroom? Like, I don't, I'm not Just sure that this chilling? person is a. That's happened too. Cole, is this a, is this a co-teacher or is it? Like an actual co-teacher, or is it just someone sitting in your room? He's still on here. I've seen him in the chat. Maybe he'll answer. Okay, keep going. Okay, so, um, yeah, we share a room. Okay, word. So, um, so let me say this for it's people that do have a co-teacher, because I think it's going to be one and the same. One, it's um, saying, like, giving them space and time to share something and 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 do something so like giving a co-teacher something to do if you find that they're doing that so the co-teacher that i'm with right now kayla um we don't do that i teach everything but she's just really good at naturally uh checking in on kids making sure people know what they're supposed to be doing checking for understanding asking clarifying questions she's really like just intuitive and good at um complimenting what i'm already doing the kid the dog is having a dream right He's now so and it's loud it's really funny um, if I have someone just chilling in the back of my room, I, there's one guy in I the neighborhood that listens to like, stop, they can't hear it. Music. No, you're supposed to, you're supposed nope. To be I know. Them. See, this is one of those discipline issues I'm having a hard time with. Um, I have taught with people that were in my room though. And sometimes that's just having a conversation with them or, so I would do it both ways. I either say, bro. You're stealing my class from me, like, or you're, you know, um, you are my ADD can't handle when you say something, you just say things out of nowhere sometimes. Or, um, I had a teacher one time that I would go, uh, whenever they would like, cause what we do, our school's too small that like, um, we don't have no one had, there's no empty rooms ever. And we, there's a class in my room every period of every day. So either I'm sitting at my desk and someone else is teaching or I'm teaching and someone's sitting at my desk. So when that happens and someone would start talking, I once worked with this dude that would just randomly add things in like out of nowhere. And sometimes they made sense and sometimes they didn't. And sometimes he was making fun of someone and I'd go, um, I made it into a show that was called brilliant interruptions with Mr. So-and-so and I won't say his name, but like, Oh wait, hold on real quick. And then I had, you know, as always, I have frigging music queued up on my computer anytime. Here it is. Um, it was like deep thoughts with Jack Handy from Saturday Night Live. Um, brilliant interruptions with Mr. So-and-so. And then he would say something, but it became a thing where like, he wouldn't do it so often anymore because I did like this ridiculous thing that like kind of made fun of it, but kind of had fun with it. But like, kind of like, like he knew it was like, this is taking a moment of time here where we're doing this. And then other times it's explaining to teachers that like, look, um, sometimes it's just having the hard conversation. Look, I know sometimes I'm teaching, it's awkward, you wanna say something, but I'm noticing, so it's not on you, I'm noticing these three students, and you pay attention to this stuff so you can actually speak to it. These three students are really having a hard time coming back because I'm building in this, I'm, I'm like my class is, is, is sort of like um, expertly weaved and put together in a way that I'm trying to build engagement. And when you break that engagement, these kids are having a hard time finding like the, the, the wherewithal to come back because they're kind of like waiting to see what you're going to say or do or whatever. It's becoming a distraction. And so like, let's figure something out there because for those guys, like I get what you're doing. You're just saying something, you're just adding something in, you're just like sharing whatever it is. Awesome. But I think these dudes are like having a hard time with that. So like, let's figure out a way that we can do that. I think any one of those 
works. And I, I really wish I could talk to him more about that, like, personally, because I could probably help, but that's from here, from New Jersey, that's my answer. Go ahead. Uh, Andrea is asking, how do you stop students from abusing the tech rules? I keep having students on other assignments or games. Um, I One of the things that I do, Andrea, is, because uh, look, part, hey, look, what are you giving everyone a peek of what you look like? I know, and um, I'm a mess today. No, I think you look really cute today. I like your well, eye hair is really bad. No, I think you look great. Now I forget the timestamp. Um, so, I one of the things that I've been doing is um, we have 80 minutes, and I tell the kids we're not learning for 80 minutes. We're going to learn for 40 minutes. Um, and if it takes you 80 minutes, great, right? But if it doesn't, then you cross the finish line faster than those. Because I have a do now, so we're all virtual, like I said. I do... Um, we are on the camera and checking in and doing attendance and you have five minutes to do a do now. That do now is three to four questions. And that's usually like, um, what'd you eat for breakfast? How much did you sleep last night? Uh, what two animals, if you put them together, would make the most badass animal in the world? Or like, uh, what are two musical artists that you wish would do a collab together? Or if you could, the other day it was, if you could trade lives with any person um now living uh what who would you trade lives with and why so you have five minutes to do that at the end of five minutes i i stop accepting submissions from that assignment right so if you were off task doing something else something else is going on you now can no longer access that if you're late to class you can't access that but the points are minimum for that particular assignment. So if you miss it, it's not the end of the world. And if you have a legitimate excuse, I tell all my students, like, I'm sorry, my internet went out, you were lagging, I was helping my sister get signed on to her class, my mom's asking me a question, I missed the beginning of class, I stayed at the last class and was asking a teacher a question, just don't talk to me about it now, stay after class, you're around. Can I get the five minutes to finish that thing? Yeah, bro, I got you, no problem, man. Um, but if you weren't, if you're just screwing around, uh, you know who that was, and, and that's, that's one. Then my journal entry is you get 10 minutes to do the journal entry. If you need more time, I check in with individual students and say, all right, how much do you have written? Uh, or I can see it online. I'll say like publish what you have already. So that in the Schoology, in the discussion, they'll hit it. And so I can see like, oh, you didn't do anything. Or you have five sentences and you need six. Like, okay, take another minute and finish it. Um, but because everything's timestamped, I only give kids credit for that time. And so I don't like putting points to everything, but it's, and I try to get away from that, but it seems to be the, the motivator for students. So every activity only gets a certain amount of time. The other thing that that does is it allows us to be done in 40 minutes instead of 80 minutes. And then if other kids need help to stand by, to get extra help, they didn't understand what was going on, I can do that with them. But for the kids that were on point and know what they're doing, they get done early. And so I feel like that's, that's what it is. It is incentivizing things with points. Um, even though it's not my favorite thing, it is a motivator for students. And that's been working for me. What you got? A little space, space freckles. My buddy. Uh, I teach an advisory period for the first period once a week. And there's no guidelines for what we should do with the kids, which I see as an opportunity to do a lot. I asked them what they want to do, and they said that they want to explore big questions and perplexing questions. I'm down for that, but I don't know, don't know exactly how to do it. Any suggestions? I would let kids anonymously submit questions somehow. Um, like, 
I, and I'm not exactly, if someone has an idea, so if you're not, if you're not paying attention, now would be a good time. Uh, if, what is a way that students could anonymously ask questions um, where everyone else wouldn't see it? It would be like, uh, so like, I, I just think like Freckles, I used to do this thing called um, the box of questions in my classroom. And it was a light bulb box that I put a slit in the top and kids could just write questions and then just put them in there. And if they asked out of pocket stuff, right? Like that was ridiculous. Uh, like Mr. Reynolds, do you do drugs? It's like, I'm not gonna, that doesn't pop up on the screen. And then I'm like, uh, how should I, you know, what do I say about this? Um, it became, um, I could go through and see the questions first. And then I just pretended like I got to the, those were the ones I got to that day. Right. So like, even that I didn't have to answer every single thing. Um, but that, was a really good use of time. We only did it on Fridays. It was super fun. Kids would ask like, I mean, all kinds of stuff, but you could tell, and what we're trying to do, the beauty of that was one, you could tell kids just had questions and they weren't finding answers elsewhere. Two, it was an opportunity for kids to be curious. And I think that that is the basis of all education is being actually curious about something and then going down the rabbit hole. What our students need to learn is how to go down the rabbit hole, how to differentiate sources, how to know what to believe and not to believe because the internet makes everything seems like it's friggin' legit. Um, and it's teaching kids, I mean, in, if we really want kids to be lifelong learners, we are fueling that curiosity and getting stoked about it. And that's one of my favorite things about having the G home back there. If I say the name, it's gonna talk to me. But is, uh, or the one with the screen in the other room. I ask questions constantly to that thing and I love it and I love what my kids do too where like last night it was like dad what's the fastest bird in the world and it was like I don't know let's ask Google and then we ask and then it tells us the answer and I love it because it fuels that curiosity so I think finding a way to anonymously do those questions um is a really good one and if you don't know the answer it's like building that in yo I need someone to figure out this answer and I'm going to give you imaginary extra credit or you win like a you know something ridiculous by next week uh, or by tomorrow if you come up with this answer and they have to investigate it and then bring the answer back. What you got? Okay, this is our last one because it's after two. AB is asking, and it's a two-part question. AB is asking, one, I'm in school to be a teacher and I find school really hard. My work just got rejected and I feel like giving up. I feel like an imposter and trying to be someone. Did you ever feel like giving up? Uh, second part, how, do you, how much support Oh, sorry. How much does support from a family come into play for being a teacher? How much does a teacher, does a teaching career impact your spouse's life? And do they help you grade papers, assist, etc.? Um, I'm, I'm going to go away. I've never done this yet since my book came out. I'm going to say that you should read my book. Um, and if you can't afford my book, right? Cause you're a student and you're just like, you know, eating top ramen every minute of the day. Uh, email me, tell me that that was you and I will send you a free book. Um, this is why, because I think my book really speaks to that and I can give you a little bit to still go on now, but I come from a family where I was raised by, so my dad died when I was four, I was raised by my mom's side of the family where no one ever went to college. No one, none of the men ever graduated for a height from high school for as long as anyone can remember. I was the first male to graduate from my family. And then when I got out of high school, it became, um, this thing of like, well, like, wait, you're going to college? Like, what the hell would you go to college? You're, you're not, we don't go to college. Like, we, it was this whole we don't 
thing, right? And then when I was in college and college kicked my ass because I think now that I have some level of processing disorder. I think I have uh, dyslexia on some level and I think I have ADHD. And so that, or I think I have ADD. I don't think I have HD, but like, um, I think I just high energy, but I don't think it's hyperactivity. Anyway, um, I had all these things I didn't even know about myself. I didn't even know how I learned. And then I got to college and it was like, I constantly thought, no way. Cause you see everyone else like doing the work or getting it or understanding it or not like they're like, what'd you do last night? I'm like, yo, I had to study for that test for like five hours. I'm like what? I looked over my notes for 20 minutes before class and I got an A and I'm like, shit, I got a B and I like worked my ass off on it. That's been my whole life. My whole life has been everything that it should be simple is not simple. Um, and I'm not saying I'm not blessed, uh, hashtag blessed, but, um, <laughs> it has been that way. Here's a couple of things to take away from that. One, if you keep working hard and I'm telling you, I know this from doing this, you can get to where you want to go. Don't put any other expectations on that, right? Like don't put like a speed expectation or by now I should be like this or I'm this old and I'm not successful or don't have it under control or whatever it is. Stop doing that because it will show up when it needs to show up. Stop watching someone else's highlight reel in their life on Instagram or Facebook and thinking that that should be yours. That's one thing. The second thing is someday you're going to teach a kid that's going to be in the same place that you're in right now, whether that they're in third grade or they're in 12th grade, it's not going to come easy to them. They're going to feel like giving up. They're going to feel like quitting. And I swear to you more than anything in my life, I, those shared experiences communicate with others where they, you can go stop, bro. You're not quitting high school. You're not dropping out. You're not just going to do this, this, or this. And I don't care what you're, I don't care if it was, but my dad's in jail. My mom died and no one cares about me. I don't care if it's my grandma beats me and I, they make me live in the basement. I don't care if it's my mom's girlfriend came at me with a gun. Like these are all real things I've dealt with. I hear what you're saying. I care about you, but I don't want that story still doesn't define you. And let me tell you why, because this is what I came from. I'm about to get real with you and vulnerable on a level that helps you to see that, that people go through shit and they overcome shit. And that's what we're doing. So right now, I know this is overwhelming for you. I'm speaking to you. I know this is overwhelming and I know this can feel like you'll just never get out of it. I used to think college is going to go. I was in college like Van Wilder years. It took me so long to get out of college, but I didn't give up. And now I have a story to tell that can inspire and motivate my students because I've been on some level. And this is like, I'm like a white dude that came from like a normal, like not normal. I'll say like a very average neighborhood, uh, for where I grew up, like didn't lock my bike up at night. Like my parents were married. I step parents, like, um, like we took vacations every year. Like, uh, and I saw my own secret traumatic shit going on, but on a level it looked normal. Um, and now I'm teaching all black and brown boys in West Philadelphia, but there's something about that. Even though our, di our, our, uh, where we came from looks so different, the human experience many times is not. And so it's like, I know what it's like to feel left out. I know what it's like to feel like no one cares. I know what it's like to feel like you lost someone 
or that your friends aren't real or that you're just not good enough or that you just suck at school or that math is evil. Like I know what it is, all that feels like and that rate, what you're going through right now is going, I'm telling you, to help someone. And if you push through, I swear to you, this will work and that sure. will be everything. Can you answer the second part? He says, how yeah. much support, um, how much does support from family come into play for being a teacher and how much does a teaching career impact your spouse's life? Do they help you grade papers, assist, etc.? I would say that my family, so if I read this right, I don't, my family wasn't overly, I mean, my family was like, my, I had, I have an aunt that was incredibly supportive. I will say that, that after my mom died, I went and lived with my aunt um, and she made sure I had quiet time to take care of school and stuff. I don't know that she really got the whole college idea, but was extremely supportive. Um, but I, and that helped. I did it on my own. I, I'm telling you, right, like, I don't want to take anything away from anyone. My that. whole life, I've, I've, everything's on my own. And I, and my wife's going to be like, and God, but like, I, I'm just saying that like, yes, that's true. It's my spiritual part of my life helps too. I'm a hundred percent pulled my own bootstraps up and just made shit happen. Um, and how much does your teaching career impact your spouse's life? Immensely. But that, so I think that takes a lot of thought on the front end is that you, if you're married now, having that conversation, what this is going to, what my life's going to look like, right? Like I'm all in dude, like no, but when I decide I'm doing something, it, I'm doing it right. So like when I ran every day for in 2019, like, like just to give that an example, cause it's one that people would know. Um, that's stuff that like annoyed my wife sometimes where she'd be like, Oh baby, you gotta run. I want to go to bed. Like, what do you mean you gotta go run? I'm like, yo, look, it's, I know it's 1130. I gotta go with miles in real quick and, and be done with it. Um, when I would do like experiments and decide that like I was giving away all my stuff, which I did one time when I was going to like, um, whatever, whatever weird shit, like, the bizarre experiments I was doing, my wife had to go along with that. Teaching was no different. I wanted to be at school every hour of the day the way that I think changed that of my wife getting sort of agitated from that is bringing her into the process. But, but not just making like, she likes grading paper. She always says, Oh, I'll grade stuff. Oh, can I grade stuff? Well, um, it's fun for me because yeah. I don't ever do it. <laughs> or when you used to like make, she would make, make cupcakes, uh, cupcakes. cookies for holidays for kids. And, I but that was something it. you like doing. And it was like, we oh, married you think the kids would like that mm -hmm. or having kids come over the house or like, cause now like Romina comes over to hang with my wife. I swear she doesn't really come over to see me she as doesn't. much anymore. She comes cause, cause I know when I leave to go yeah. do something, she's like, all right, look, I got boy problems. I got to talk to you about real quick. <laughs> um, cause she knows that when she talks to me about boys, I'm like, Oh, who's this guy? Like I get, I go like full dad mode. Um, but my wife like walks her through things and they have these open vulnerable moments where she can share stuff with her. And I think that, so it depends it's, on your spouse, right? Like, but I think a way that I like what you're saying about bridging the the gap is you involve me in it and you tell me about it. So like, I know about all the students, like I know who they are and the funny things that happen during the day. Cause like you kind of come home and like share about your day, like yeah. really not just about the, the bullshit of the day, but like the actual stuff that happens with your students or funny things in class. So I think that's the, probably the best advice that you could give to a spouse is like, it's like, it's sharing the world. It's like blending them together as, as in the areas that you can. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and it becomes a shared experience. And and I think that that's something that someone has to know on the front end. But, I mean, but, and I didn't really have that forethought because we've been together since I was I was 18 years old. I mean, it was Forever. since 1995. <laughs> so it was like I wasn't even thinking of getting married at that point. If, the, if for whatever reason, um, my, the recycling guy really likes my wife. Every time he drives by my house, he's like always hooting and hollering at my wife. If my wife <laughs> left me for the recycling guy and I had to marry again, that would absolutely be on the forefront of my mind of like, look, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I'm interested in. This is how much time I'm committed to this. How do you see yourself playing a part in that? Or like, what do we see our relationship? Like, how does it work around that? I think becomes part of it too. Good? Mm-hmm. Cool. Gang, I'm going to go because like I said, I got to switch gears. Um, Broad's waiting for me. Uh, we're going to order some wings. I'm going to have a couple beers. We're going to watch the Eagles game even the last... It's been, it's been really depressing this season. It's not been an easy season for us to, to watch the Eagles. The last game was good. We won, didn't we? No, we lost. Last like, in oh, the no, end, the we end, were yeah, doing, like, we came back. It was really depressing. And then it was like you thought you were going to win, and then Rocky just, like, got stabbed in the throat at the end. It was like, oh. Mm. Oh, we didn't even, that was just horrible. Um, we're going to see how it's going, and if it's depressing, we're going to turn it off. Yes. So, <laughs> gang, you're the greatest. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Um, and that's it. Be well. Peace. Hitting all the stuff.